0: When he saved somebody, that is the greatest miracle there is. I've just been praying that the Lord would give us miracles in our church. And there's a lot of miracles that the Lord does, but that's the one we want to see the most, is people getting saved. Isn't that right? I mean, that's that's really it. That's what it's all about. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you this morning for your Word and for speaking to us. Lord, thank you that you do love us and that you really want to drive that home into our hearts, Lord Jesus. And God, we ask You this morning to really help us to experience Your love in greater measures, Lord. Experience Your power in greater measures, Lord. And we ask You, Lord, that You would save many, Lord, this morning. Save many alive, Lord Jesus, for Yourself, God. Lord, they're for You, Lord. They're for You, Lord. It's all about You, Lord Jesus. We bless You and praise You, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Can say amen? amen. Wow. Uh, turn to your, open your Bible to uh, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Are you all ready for this? You sure? Bring it on. Okay, I want to read first and I want to say a couple of things. Matthew 6 verse 19 through 21. I read this a couple weeks ago. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen? Yeah. Well, last week I shared a, what I consider to be a real powerful statistic from the Bible. Let me share that again with you this week. Uh, In the New Testament, there are 215 verses on faith. Okay, There are 218 verses that deal with salvation. And there's 2,084 verses that deal with money and finances. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? In other words, faith is real important and salvation obviously is very important. But I feel like the Lord uh, understands that we need help, particularly in the area of finances that he had to do a lot more talking about that than he did in some other areas. And the problem that we've had in the church is we haven't really talked about it enough, and we're living in a time where one of these days the economy is going to fail us, and the American economy will fail us eventually. And what we have to do, and I've been saying this for two weeks, is we have to learn how to build our economy on the, on the Word of God. Okay, that's what this is all about, building your personal economy on the Word of God, not on uh, the American dream or the American economic system. Sixteen of Jesus' 38 parables dealt with finances. So see, it's just a powerful thing that we really need to get in our hearts now, because I believe God has given us and is given us a window of opportunity to establish ourselves on what the Word teaches concerning money. Okay? We have a chance to do that. Are you all with me? And that's really why I'm doing this. This is not to try to get you to give any more money, okay, or do any of that stuff. It's really, I believe, a response from the heart of the Lord to His people to say, you know, this world we're living in is is a house of cards at best. And the American economy, even though it is the greatest economy in the world, the strongest economy in the world, is very shaky And it could, it could fall just like that. So we really need to, when it falls, we need to have our life established on what the Lord has said and what the Lord wants to do. And now's the time. I want to emphasize now is the time. Not then, because I told you the first time I shared on this, the very, that the devil does have a plan and his plan is an economic plan and his plan is the mark of the beast where you can't buy, sell, trade or do anything without his mark. And I don't know what that mark is, I don't know what it means, but there'll come a day when it'll be reality, maybe for us, maybe for our children or our grandchildren, whatever. But we need to be in that day established on the Word of God. That is the safest place to be. You hear what I'm saying to you? That's safety. And none of this other stuff is safety. The stock market's not safe, man. I've lost a pile of money in the stock market. I mean, I'm ashamed to tell you how much money I've lost in the last year. There's a pile. Becky was fussing at me about that the other day. Why don't you do something? I don't know what to do. But I'm not dependent on that money. I actually tell you the truth. I mean, cause I've never had it in my hand, so, you know, if I lose it all, then I don't want to lose it all, but <laughs> I said if, if I'm trusting the Lord. When I talked to this stock, this stockbroker recently, they were asking me, what is your plans? Are you planning on retiring? I said, actually, I never plan on retiring. I mean, I got the kind of job. I'm going to be doing this until the day, you know, till the end. I mean, I'll probably die one day doing it. Maybe I'll die preaching. That'd be terrible, wouldn't it? <laughs> be better for me to die back there in my office somewhere. Oh, he died. Get him out of here. <laughs> Just get you loosened up here. But it says, "Do not lay up treasures for yourselves." Now, this is all, This is for us, for yourselves. I want you to get that. This is for you. This is for me. This is personal. This is not for the church. This is not for world missions. This is not for the poor. This is for God's personal, individual people. You hear what I'm saying to you? We need to get that revelation. But how do you lay up treasures for yourself? That's what I want to talk about this morning. And I think, and I believe this, the way to open up a heavenly bank account, okay? One of the ways, well, I think the way to open up a heavenly bank account is tithing. Okay, so that's what I want to talk to you about. Tithe. I want to talk to you about tithing this morning. Now, let me give you a definition of tithing. Just to hit you right up front. Tithing is the regular practice of setting apart the first tenth of your total gross income for God. You hear what I said? It's a regular practice of setting apart the first tenth of your total gross income for God. The word tithe literally means the tenth. And I've had all kinds of people want to talk to me about tithing. I had one guy was telling me, it really doesn't mean the tense, it means 13%. If you go back and study all these passages in the Bible, it comes up to 13%. And he, But he was basically telling me he didn't believe in tithing. And I was saying, I, you know, if you want to do 13%, that's between you and God. But he wasn't going to do any. That was part of his argument, that it wasn't wasn't in the Bible really. It wasn't New Testament teaching. But here, let me give you some information about tithing, Okay. This is information, okay? This is not revelation. But I think it's true information. Number one, tithing is not a cure for all your financial troubles. It's not a cure. I know a lot of people who tithe that have financial troubles. And that's the truth. Now, it could be because and one of, so there's different reasons for that, but some of the reasons maybe just these people may not be good money managers. These people may have bad debt in their life. Or it could be God is just dealing with those people and He knows that He can humble them by dealing, touching their finances. He does that a lot. Some people have a problem in that area of, that area of their life. So you see, tithing is not going to solve all your problems. But I will say this. Most Christians who have chronic financial problems are not tithers. Most Christians who have chronic financial, tithe, uh, pr- financial problems are not tithers. Okay, I'm talking about chronic. You know what chronic is? It's something that just is long-term and it just goes on in your life and no matter what you do, you're, you're having troubles. And most of those don't tithe. Many Christians stop tithing when they get in financial trouble. They, they'll say something, oh, I can't afford to tithe. And they'll give you all these reasons of why they don't. That's, that's, a, that's a true fact. Some Christians do not tithe because they believe it to be Old Testament doctrine and not New Testament doctrine. They just flat believe that about it. Some Christians do not or stop tithing because of misuses of finances by the church. Okay? And TV evangelists and all that. They stop because of that. Some people, some Christians stop tithing or, ne- or never tithe because it's legalism. They, they, fall in, they have a legalistic attitude about it. And so, therefore, they, they just quit doing it because they feel like they're in bondage, they feel like they're in legalism. Um, So those are all some things, but I'm going to tell you this. This is the fact. If you're going to build your finances on God's Word, you cannot avoid tithing. You cannot. It is a fundamental principle in the Bible, fundamental financial principle. I'm going to show it to you this morning, okay? Are you with me? I'm going to show you really what the Bible says about it and sort of my take on it. Um, Lord, help me say this. Uh, Let me tell you, let me just read verse 25 of chapter 6 and on down. It says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into the barns. Yet your heavenly Father... Feeds them. Are they not more value, are you not more value than they? Okay, first of all, let me just say this. What Jesus is talking about right here is about your needs. Okay? He's talking about food and clothing and shelter. He is not talking about the American's definition of needs. Okay? My issue, my thing about need was, well, I need to have me a steak for supper tonight. That is not a need. I need to eat something, and I may not have to need to eat it tonight. I may be able to go a few days without eating. But we're talking about needs here. So erase what you see. You, if you see, you know, a 5,000 square foot home on a lake with a boat and four or five cars, that is not need. Okay? That's not need. Those are luxuries and things like that that, people are, that God does bless with. And I remember last week I talked about the blessing of that, So that's what He's talking about here. Okay? And this is the point I I think what the Lord's saying is this. And this is really important that you get this, this about tithing because this affects your revelation about tithing. And it really, Jesus really says it clear here. It's very clear. He talks about the sparrows or the birds that they don't, they don't sow or reap. Okay? In other words, what he's saying to us as Christians is that God does not meet your needs based on you tithing. You hear what I'm saying? God meets your needs because of one reason. It's because He loves you. Now that is really the truth of the Bible. That's what the Bible says in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I will have no lack. It does not say the Lord is my shepherd, and therefore I give and I tithe, Therefore, I won't have any, like it says, doesn't say it. And if you look at the counsel of the Scripture, God loves us. God cares for us before we do anything. Okay? And what has happened in the church is we have got somewhat of a perverted view. And in what this does, this breeds a legalistic attitude. This, To me, this is the source of legalism, is to misunderstand this one point. Is that we feel like we've got the time to get God to help us just get through our life. And that is not what the Scripture teaches. We tithe because God does meet our needs. Because God does bless us. Because God God does already care about us. Now that's the truth. That's what Jesus said. He said, you're more important than the birds of the air. And I'm taking care of the birds of the air not because of anything the birds of the air did. He just happened to love birds of the air. But He happens to love us more. Are you with me? I mean, this is really important. Um, let me read a quote of scripture to you. This is what David also said Psalm 37 verse 25. I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. That's that's what David said. I've never seen that happen. Now, let me just make one little, little there's a catch to this. There's a real catch to it. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm following the Lord. If I'm following the Lord, He's going to care for my needs. Okay, He's going to take care of me. But if I'm a Christian who decides, you know, the grass looks better over there to me, Lord, than where you got me. It looks pretty good out there in the world. It's pretty green. I think I'm going to go over there. There's no guarantee that God's going to meet your needs over there. You hear what I'm saying to you? The Lord is my shepherd. I won't have any lack because He's my shepherd, because I'm close to the Lord. I'm following the Lord. The Lord's taking care of me. But if I separate myself and quit following the Lord, He's not going to be able to do that. Also, there's a scripture that says, if you don't work, you don't eat. Part of God's way of providing for us is, you know, we have to work and have a job. I think most people in here wouldn't have that problem, but if you do, you could be in trouble. Um... This is what I, I call grace-empowered tithing. See, that's where grace comes in with you're tithing. It's having this revelation in your heart that God's, God's going to meet my needs. I'm not going to... When they pass the plate, I'm not giving this. Oh, I better give, it, give this money because if I don't, God's going to be mad with me and I'm going to fail in my life. Everything's going to go wrong in my life. And that's so stupid. I even knew... When I was a Christian, I hadn't been a Christian in a month and I was working with this lady and she was saying this stuff about that. You know, I've told my husband, we've got all these financial troubles, and I've told him we need to be tithing. And I thought, that don't sound right to me. That ain't, God ain't going to do that to you. And I said, well, where's your husband work at? And she, he, she told me where he working And I told her, here I am, a Christian, less than a month. Oh, this woman's been a Christian all life. I said, there's your problem. Your husband works for a company that distributes pornographic magazines. That's why your finances are not blessed. You know, you're, you know, he, he's working for a company that's perpetuating the sin on the earth. If he would quit that job and get another job, because God's going to meet your needs. You hear what I'm saying to you? We need to have that revelation in our heart. You will find yourself into a legalistic attitude towards tithing, and eventually you will quit. Y'all with me? Y'all seem, everybody just seems sort of like, uh, I've never thought about it like that before. Tithing is not to get your basic needs in life met. It is a practical way of giving yourself to God. You hear that? Remember when I told you a couple of weeks ago that basically our money represents three or four things? Your time, your ability, your strength, and in some cases, your inheritance. Okay? That's what it, it represents. It represents those things. So tithing gives us a way of practically giving of ourselves to God by giving that money. We're giving of ourself. Of the money we went out and worked for and earned, or we were given. Now, I'm gonna just stop on that point. I hope you got it, because you need it. Turn over to Genesis 14. I'm gonna just tell you in the Bible about tithing and where it came from. I'm going to read one scripture in the Old Testament, but the Old Testament's full of verses on tithing. Are y'all enjoying this message? Or you wish we were talking about something else? <laughs> Genesis fourteen. This is the first place tithing uh, was ever mentioned in the Bible. So it's, you know the law of first mention is really important. It's if you study the Bible, much, the law. Every, the first place that something's mentioned in the Bible, you should study that issue. Like you know, oh Abraham, he came up with lots of things first. You know, like worship was first mentioned with Abraham, and so there's a lot of things that oh, Abraham can teach us. After all, isn't he the what? Father of what? Father of our faith. Well, he had this fight he got in a fight because he was trying to rescue his nephew, his nephew got real foolish, separated himself from from his uncle, where the blessing was, so Abraham had to go out and whip up on some kings, okay so he went out and and, and took his three or four hundred guys and had a war and won the war beat them and took all their stuff from them basically that's what happened he took he beat these kings, got locked, got all their stuff in the process, took everything away from them so and then it was over with, and it says in verse 18, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. So after he had beat these kings, this Melchizedek guy shows up, mysterious guy. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram, the God, the Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. That's what Melchizedek, he was blessing, giving the blessing to Abraham. And then it says this little phrase at the end of the verse, and he gave him a tithe of all. In other words, uh, Melchizedek was uh, the representative of God in the earth in the Old Testament at that time. He comes and puts a blessing on Abraham. And when, in the process of him, being, him blessing Abraham, Abraham gave him a tenth of everything he had taken from those kings, all the spoils that he had gotten. He gave that to Melchizedek. That's the first time tithing is mentioned in the Bible. Now, turn over to Romans 4. Let's jump over to the New Testament. I'm on, if you want to study tithing, and there's hundreds of verses literally in the Old Testament about tithing. I want to show you that tithing is in the New Testament. And, and tithing is something that as a New Testament Christian, we must, you know, grab hold of it. Romans chapter 4. Let's read verse 11 and 12 most good Bible people know what's in Romans 4. I heard a guy one time say, the secret to all spirituality is in Romans 4. And you, everybody in the room was turning real fast to Romans 4 to find out what was in there. Well, this is all about Abraham and Abraham's faith. Let's read verse 11 and 12. Uh, it says, and, and this is talking about Abraham, and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised, that... He might be the father of all those who believe, though they were uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. Basically talking about the Gentile and Jew thing there. Circumcision versus uncircumcision. And the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of faith. Everybody say walk in the steps of faith. Which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. Now jump down to verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also those who are of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So, that's what the Scripture, you know, that's just giving you a, a clue here, that Abraham is the father of every person who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. Every person who has a walk of faith. And we are His children if we walk in the steps that Abraham walked in. Is that true? As we walk in faith, just like Abraham did, we become Abraham's children. So what the issue is, this very clear reading that, as you walk in faith, you have to do what Abraham did. And part of what Abraham did was Abraham, with his money, he used faith by tithing. That's, that's tithing in the Bible. If we're going to be children of faith, we cannot separate ourselves from the issue of tithing. It's really true, because Abraham is our father, and Abraham tithes. And if we're going to mimic our father of faith, we have to tithe. We have no choice in the matter. in one sense. There's a scripture that says this, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Faith without works is dead. So we can say, yes, we're children of Abraham, yes, we walk in faith, but if you don't tithe, that is just deadness. That's just words. It's not reality in your life. You know? Are you with me? You tithe because you are of faith. God has given us the principle, I'm not saying a law, a principle of tithe as a practical demonstration of our faith in God with our finances. It is a practical demonstration of your faith in God with your money. That's what tithing is. That's why God has given us tithing. Remember last week when I talked to you about the dangers of riches? Remember, one of them? I gave you like three examples of the blessing of riches, three examples of dangers of riches. Okay? One of them was the parable of the rich young ruler. It's in Matthew 19. I don't go there, but here's what I was saying riches create an illusion of fullness. Okay? That's one of the dangers. It creates an illusion. Everybody say illusion. Illusion of fullness. And that's very dangerous. We need to feel needy. We need to feel like failures. We need to have those feelings in our life because those people who feel that way go after God. If you are fat and complacent and everything's going right in your life, you don't. there's an illusion that comes on you that you don't need God. And that's what riches will do if you're not careful. Rich, rich people have a hard time feeling needy. That's why Jesus said about this rich young ruler, it's hard for a rich man to get saved. It's real hard. It's, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get saved. But it's, and his disciples said, well, who can get saved then? And he said, well, what's impossible with man is very possible with God. Or what's impossible with man. So what the Lord was saying is, if you're rich, you're, you're gonna, you, there's an illusion on you. Your riches can cause you to not feel the need that's really in your life. And not feel like, oh, I need God. And I think that's what, the, one of the things the Lord's trying to use with all this terrorism in America. Hey, you're not as secure as you thought you were. You've always been this insecure. You just thought, it was an illusion that you were the most secure, most powerful nation. Nobody's going to mess with us. But you are very needy. You need me. And people are starting to realize, we need God, man. I mean, we're fooled here. You know, we could be the next person coming down with some kind of terrible thing. So we need the Lord to protect us. But well, here's the thing about tithing. I'm telling you, this is the truth. You give 10% of your money to God, I don't know about you, but it creates a need in my life. You hear what I'm saying to you? I could take that 10% that I'm giving to the Lord. I'm talking about 10% of your gross income. Think about whatever you make. Let's just, for instance, say you make $1,000, your gross income, and Uncle Sam gets $200 off it. That means you've got eight hundred dollars left. Then you go to church Sunday and you put a hundred of that eight hundred in the church plate. Yeah, it means you only got seven hundred dollars. A person making that that creates need in their life. It creates a thing where you've got to depend on the Lord. And that's one of the reasons that we need to tithe. Is we need to be needy. We need to have to give something to God, because God is going to create a need somehow in your life because He wants you to need Him because He wants to meet your need. He wants to prove that He's faithful. He wants to prove first, now, I don't care what you do, I'm going to take care of you. I love you. I'm going to protect you. But He wants you to, to say, okay, because God loves me, because God protects me, because I believe in God, I'm going to give this money and I'm going to believe God's going to meet me. But I tell you, anybody in this room could love to have a 10% off the top raise. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? I would. It would take the edge out of my life. And I'm going to tell you this. You will never know how much you have to trust the Lord or how much you do trust the Lord until you're put into a situation where you have to trust the Lord. See, for years I thought I trusted the Lord in certain areas of my life. And the Lord said, Okay, let's see how much you really trust me. I'm going to put you in that situation and then you're going to see do you really trust me. And I found out I don't trust the Lord like I thought I did. You know what I'm saying? Has anybody else ever had that experience that you thought you trusted the Lord about something and it was easy to say it until you got in that situation and realized that, man, I don't really have any trust. I don't really have faith in God like I need to have. And I think that's what tithing does. Tithing provides an opportunity in your life to exercise faith and trust in God. It provides an opportunity. doesn't mind. probably does in most people in the room. If you've got bunches of expendable income, it may not. God will figure out another way of getting you You know, for the majority of us people, it creates an opportunity for us to trust God. That's what tithing does. And we need to trust God. We need to feel needy. We need to feel like, God, if you don't come through, we're in trouble. We need you to help us. Now, nobody wants to be in that situation, but the bottom line is you're in that situation where you realize it or not, and God just wants you to make it real to your flesh. He wants to make it real to you. Are you all with me? Are you liking this? Anybody besides, anybody besides Andy? I appreciate that, Andy. Okay? All right, let me show you another one. This is, a, this is a great one here. Hebrews 6.20. Turn over there. Hebrews 6.20. See, tithing is not legalism. It's really not. It's God's way of really helping us. It's God's way of really blessing us. Hebrews 6.20. It says, uh, I just want to read this thing about old Mel... Melchizedek again. It says, Where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, Jesus being the forerunner, talking about going behind the veil, having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Did you get that? Jesus is the high... Now, this is important. Jesus is the high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. According to that order, that's what Jesus is. That's what the Bible says. Now, look over and... Hebrews 7, let's read verse 4 through 8. Now, you had to read through this stuff carefully because, you know, this, this is not... This is, this is powerful stuff, and it doesn't work through the mind very well. It says, Now consider how great this man was, I'm talking about Melchizedek, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And indeed, those who are the sons of Levi who received the priesthood have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law. See, that's you know what it's saying. In the Old Testament, you had to pay tithes. It was, it was required of you. That is, from their brethren, though they have, they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he whose gene, genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham. Very important. Right there. Tithing in the New Testament. Okay? And blessed him who had the promises. Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witness that he lives. You get that? He receives them who, who is that? Who, who is the scripture talking about right there? Does anybody know? It's talking about the Lord Jesus. Because He's the one who lives forever, right? Is that true? It says the scripture witnesses that he receives tithes. In other words, this is what really when we tithe, we are declaring to the Lord that you, Lord, that you are after the order of Melchizedek. You have no beginning. You have no end. We are. It is actually an act of worship and an act of declaration to who we believe Jesus is. That He is eternal. Now, if you don't believe anything else about tithing, you don't believe in time, that one scripture right there should change your mind. And you should be able to say, Lord, I'll tithe just because I believe that You are the Lord. You are the King. You are without beginning and You're without end. You hear what I'm saying to you? That's one, It's an act of worship. It's an act of declaration that we're declaring to the Lord that You are the King. You have no beginning. You have no end. It's worship. That's really what it is. I think that's one of the reasons I like to do receive past the plate because it gives people a chance. Now, there's lots, There's like two or three different ways that I've seen in my experience. I've seen the box in the back, okay, which, you know, works. That's, that's fine. That works. I've seen in churches where they have a time where they invite the people to come up. They don't pass the plate. They invite them to come up, you know, as a public act to put their tithes and offerings in the plate. You know that's fine. You know, just personal preference. I like passing passing the plates, you know, and giving us an opportunity to worship God like that. But it really is, it really is a, a, an act of worship, and I believe if we could get that in our hearts. That it would really change our lives, instead of like, oh no, here they come. I can't, I can't do this. All right, let's do one more and then we'll stop.